what is authenticity to you? It's being who you truly are and living every aspect of your life in alignment with your values and not somebody else's values. And I think that's the biggest reason people should start their business with the spiritual lens because it's literally them. They are showing who they are through the work they're doing, which is a very powerful way to exist, existing from that place of I get to give who I am and serve by being myself. What's your sole purpose? It's what you came here to accomplish. It's also who you're meant to become so that you can make an impact by being yourself. We're all here to unlock our potential and create positive change in the world. Everything starts with you. One is not born into their purpose. One steps into their purpose. Were you born to do it? Let's find out together. Welcome to another episode of Born to Do It. Today we're going to be talking about business and spirituality and blending the two and unique alchemical fusion. And I've got the perfect guest to help us make that transition into unlocking more spirituality and adding it into our business structure. Uh, welcome to Heroic Leadership Coach, Andrea Wynn. Thank you so much, Stella. And hello, everyone. What is spirituality and how have you approached spirituality before we start talking about the business side of things? Well, I have been a deeply spiritual person for as long as I can remember. I was brought up in a Tibetan Buddhist community in the United States. Uh, my parents got involved when I was around five. So I was deeply immersed in spirituality, started meditating when I was around six, and have just found myself deeply drawn to spirituality. Specifically, I got really immersed in Tibetan Buddhism until I was in, I think it was my late 30s, and I had a Christian awakening on top of that. And so then for five years, just really heavily immersed myself in the Christian world, um, including being baptized a Catholic. And I would say that I have not fared well in religious communities. I seem to have a, a nasty little habit of getting kicked out. So basically, I, I practice spirituality, both with some religious practices that I learned that I have found helpful, but not within the context of any formal religion. And I guess since about 2020, I think that was a real uh, turning point year for many of us. I got involved with teachings around archangels and dragons and unicorns. So now I have really been heavily, really integrating all of these different forms of spirituality together so that I would say I have a very a live spiritual life, including, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but the practice of my business is also a huge part of my spiritual practice at this point. Were there any unexpected detours that shifted your perspective on spirituality? I know you mentioned that a lot of religion still has a very fixed mindset when it comes to spirituality and our connection to the divine, but were there unexpected twists and turns on the journey that made you think, oh, wow, now I understand better. Now I understand why, you know, certain aspects of life are the way that they are and how I can help shift them. Well, first of all, I mean, when you bring up unexpected detour, I just have to first acknowledge that the Christian awakening was a very unexpected detour because really I was pretty anti-Christian up until then. Um, you know, I was a, a kid growing up in the U.S., in schools, having to say the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, to one nation under God. 
And it did not sit well with me having to put my hand over my heart and to be talking about God. So it was extremely unexpected to have the Christian awakening, given how I had such a large chip on my shoulder. So when I think about that first response that came up in me, I think it speaks to a greater fluidity that is needed for honestly pursuing our own spiritual path. Um, my entrance way in was, you know, in a, a very unique way. It's not like I just decided to go to church or something. I, I was actually guided to read the Narnia stories. And Narnia, um, you know, was introduced to Aslan. And then years later, I found out that Aslan represented Jesus. And so I really feel like that sort of subtly got me into more openness towards Christianity and then worked with a, a soul coach whose guide was named Jesus Emmanuel, but, you know, it was very different flavor than the traditional Jesus that we know in church. So then I really opened up to that guy, Jesus Emmanuel. And then from there, I attended a, a movie series, like uh, popular movies that were being shown at this church. It was movies that had a, um, a theme of redemption. What technically got me into a church was going to this movie series. So it was just these little stepping stones that required me to open to what was truly arising within me that was from a place of love and from a place of spirituality because it went against every grain of how I had grown up. So I think that there is something um, there in that story, just in that twist and turn about the nature of true spirituality, which is being willing to let go of outdated limiting beliefs and opening to, you know, when something is arising in your heart and having the courage and the willingness to allow exploration of something, even if it seems like the last place you'd ever want to go, just that willingness to explore. It doesn't mean you need to go there, but that willingness to explore um, a spiritual calling that's coming up in your heart, you know, even though it was about getting into a formal religion, um, I think that there are some valuable little nuggets in just in that one story about opening to to spirituality. It's very interesting that you mentioned the word story. I think the power of storytelling is something that our ancestors have used, that our teachers have used, our parents have used, and will continue to use going forward because it's in those stories where we're able to convey the bigger messages through adding um, the voices to the characters and their descriptions and every choice that they're making even the descriptions in in the movies and books where the character was wearing purple the character was wearing yellow these are choices that signify an emotion that signify a state of mind everything is just so connected and so interlinked but it's through the uh, storytelling that we're able to convey the big messages in a way that's more easily digestible i suppose or it's easier to talk about the big feelings the big topics in a way that makes us appreciate the finer details but it's quite interesting that you're mentioning movies and uh in, in the theme of redemption as well because um i did my master's degree in film and television so movies have been my primary method of learning about life for a very long time it's a domain of storytelling that i really love because it it connects us while being disconnected I think being disconnected from the external narrative, we're connected for two hours to the vision of someone, 
and they have completely captured our attention. And if they've created something, especially in alignment with their higher self, they can really bring that shift, that change of heart. So when you leave that movie theater, it's almost like you have taken the the journey of metamorphosis that the creator had, and they were able to give that to you for two hours, which is very powerful. And I think spirituality allows us to create a shift in narrative when it comes to our own lives, when we allow it to to touch us, I suppose, when we're not just externally looking, but we buy the ticket and we go into the theater and the theater could be, you know, anything could be the library, could be the bookstore, could be just researching on social media. We purchase the ticket and we commit to it. We say, I'm going to stay. I'm going to watch. I'm going to see where this takes me. Very, very cool. You you mentioned the, the dragons and the unicorns and the archangels and the angels and even the demons, you know, this everyone can do anything and everything can teach us things about life. If we allow ourselves to open up to learning from people, from ideas, from places that are foreign to us, because that's how we learn. We allow the foreign to become something that we're more familiar with. But these are key words that kind of come to mind when I think of spirituality today. Light, hope, love, joy, faith, peace, unity. Do you think these are the words that most people connect to spirituality? Ooh, well... You know, spirituality is so unique that I think that probably if we got 10 people in the room, uh, we could probably have 10 different sets of words. So I do think that spirituality is very unique. And I think that's one of the things that's so beautiful about it. Um, I'm thinking back to when I did my master's of education in counseling psychology. One of the courses that I took uh, was called multicultural counseling. And we looked at how to do counseling with people of different cultures. You know, so many things in Western society are geared towards doing something with white heterosexual men. Like there's, you know, this sort of unity, not kind of unity that you and I usually talk about, but it's just like expecting everybody to fall under one very specific category of people. So this multicultural counseling course, I found it to be a spiritual experience, unlike any of the other courses that I took. And it's because in order for somebody of one culture to communicate with somebody of another culture, whether they have a common language or not, they have to go beyond any kinds of sort of assumptions or anything like that. You need to be able to communicate like from the depth of your soul, what it is that you're trying to say to the other person of another culture in a very open way so that they might be able to understand what you're saying. And it takes more conversation in order to be able to communicate with someone of another culture. And so I just think that that is so powerful. And that's why I discovered, you know, multicultural situations, they're going to be more spiritual because of that letting go of assumptions that's necessary to really connect heart to heart. Um, So that's why I think that, you know, if we had 10 people in the room, we'd have 10 different sets of words associated. And Stella, you dropped kind of a powerful word, the word demons. Since you had the courage to bring something in that was pretty powerful, I would like to ask you um, what you were thinking when you said that. So there's this show, um, again, bringing movies and TV series, but there's this show from um, Amazon, uh, Good Omens, it's called. And it has at the center an angel and a demon. And they're working side by side. They're they're placed on earth. And throughout the series, they're, they're showing their involvement because these are eternal beings. They just reincarnate. They, have, they help humanity. They help in whatever way they can. They help with the creation of you know, earth in terms of 
that kind of holistic way of looking at spirituality and the birth of Earth. And there was a very powerful episode that explained that sometimes when we look at angels as the, the beings that save us, sometimes they follow structures. Sometimes they think, oh, that we, we can only do this because of the structures. We believe this is the best course of action. But it's actually sometimes the anti-heroes that are willing to go against the system, that are willing to change some of the protocols of the system. And that's why they get kind of banished from mm-hmm. the originals, from the system, from mm-hmm. the garden, from the kingdom, however you want to call it. Um, and it has to do with them going challenging the people on top. And sometimes the people that challenge the systems get a bad rep. Just like humans have different levels of consciousness, so do other beings, including angels and demons. And if you are with that mindset of following the structures, following the same script, the learning will stop. So at some point, if you see an opportunity that, you know, just because something is the rule, it's not always applicable in situations. Sometimes there are exceptions. Sometimes the rule has to change. And the change makers will sometimes get a bad rep for trying to change the system because it's how we've done it for so long. But without making these changes, there wouldn't be any evolution. Mm. And from my experience watching tarot readers and people that are channeling messages, there is very strong connection between us individuals here that are on earth working with both angels from the light and demons from the dark to remain in that balance so we can bring justice in a very corrupted system. And sometimes the light beings cannot support us with that justice the same way that the demons can because we're dealing with levels of corruption that are beyond um, we can comprehend in terms of evilness. Probably a detour to your question, but it's I think if we were to be truly enlightened beings, we cannot just remain in the light. And in order for us to truly help people that are in the dark, we need to be able to be in the dark without being of the dark and without losing ourselves in the dark. And in order for us to understand what it means to be in the dark without being of the dark, we must learn from the teachers of the dark, the teachers that can be found in the dark. Mm. Okay, that was a very powerful response to my question. And I I wonder if I may just, you know, like just sort of also add a further um, perspective on it. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were talking about people who challenge, you know, unhealthy systems, they're actually, that is the word that's used, they are demonized. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you brought that forward, because that actually is the word. And so in that case, it's a healthy action to be challenging an unhealthy system. When I worked to bring light to some very dark stuff happening in the Buddhist community that I grew up in, I was demonized. People didn't want to hear what I had to say because I was speaking from the light. So the demonizing is a way of shutting down the light. So um, I like to distinguish that from less evolved demons um specifically what i would like to just offer as just a sort of like a sort of further perspective for this part of the conversation is some work that i did for a number of years call it was a practice called feeding your demons and this was put out by a tibetan buddhist teacher named lama sultram alioni and it's a beautiful practice where we are able to encounter our own demons and so the idea being there 
is that there can be parts of ourselves that we're really uncomfortable with, maybe an angry part or a destructive part. And, you know, traditionally in our culture, like even in the stories of heroes and everything, is that when you've got a demon, you need to take your sword out and cut its head off. And so the difference here is quite radical. Instead of cutting its head off, you're actually feeding it. You're giving it what it needs so that it can transform and grow and mature into something that's more positive and more light and balanced. There are sort of like different categories of demons. And I think there are even beyond what you and I have talked about today. But I think that this is a wonderful thing to do to bring some illumination to this area of darkness and how important it is for us to develop skills and courage to go into our darkness and be able to learn how to relate in the darkness as well as the light. So really thank you for bringing that forward. One of the aspects of Earth is that when people see the light, and we've talked about this, entering the cave and being afraid to leave the cave, but the cave is um, a symbol of the dark because you're turning your back to the light. When somebody's being demonized for bringing the truth, bringing the truth to light, as you said, it's almost like they're blinded because you're shining so bright because you're bringing something that's so obvious, but they don't want to see it. They don't want to hear it. It's like that monkey emoji. <laughs> see no evil, hear no evil, talk, speak no evil. And it's only being demonized because the unhealthy system has been normalized. But in order for us to truly ascend, for us to truly advance, we must face the truth for what it is. And it can be ugly, but in order to change it, we have to first acknowledge it, accept it for what it is, and then bring our solutions. Which kind of takes me to the, the next question, I suppose. Where is spirituality on earth? Where do we need it a little bit more? Because now that I'm looking at these words, how many <laughs> businesses are actually trying to bring any of these values? How many businesses do actually have these values as part of their strategy? So that many. I think it's sort of in a baby phase at this point. But, you know, like there's a growing number of business people that are wanting to run businesses from these kinds of values. I, I Yeah, there are not industries in the world that are operating from a, a, from a place of spirituality. They would be like the odd industry. I mean, industries usually are classification for a large number of businesses. So I don't think that there are any industries um, because they are so structured and hierarchical and top down like i mean you know if you were tempted to look at you know religions they are they are so structured and so there's just the shutdown in the existing industries and it was interesting because i i met with a former business mentor about a month ago and she said you know andrea what do you mean when you refer to a spiritual business and i said Uh, what I mean is people who are operating any kind of business, but it's from a spiritual place. Mm -hmm. It's from a place of wanting to make the world a better place, from a place of helping people to uplift out of a place of survival into a place of thriving. And I said, you know, there's not like some specific industry. And she said, oh, that's interesting because she said, I regard myself as a spiritual person, but I'm not running my business as a spiritual business. So operating from a spiritual place with a spiritual mission and doing things from a, a spiritual place, that is very novel. I think that is quite new. I'm not saying that nobody has done it, but in terms of industries, we are just at the very beginning. I would say you used a very good adjective to describe spiritual thinking, spiritual people, and spirituality. Fluid. A lot of these corporations, they have the fixed mindset, even though they think of themselves as growth mindset leaders, they are restricted by the framework they've created 
and they are forgetting they're in charge of that framework. They can change the framework. They can leave the framework. But because, you know, once you set up the structure of the business, you're now running ahead thinking, I need to secure the jobs. I need to secure the opportunities. And it's, you know, the structure is fixed because you think that's it. Once I've done it, it's done, it's settled. But that foundation, imagine if it's a garden and you've planted the seeds and the seeds are blossoming and that's the beginning of the business. But that you can buy more land, you can expand the garden, you can change what you're planting in that garden, being fluid with what you're growing. And a lot of people think of that uh, business structure, business foundation as cement. And I think what we're trying to build with spirituality is we're bringing the, the seeds back to the soil. We're connecting with mother nature and it's, it's alive. The structure is alive. The foundation is strong because we're, our roots are in there, spiritual roots, physical roots, but we're allowing it to grow as we grow. There's this element of connecting with nature and co-creating with nature. And I think where yeah. spirituality exists at the moment in industries, it's the industries that are trying to bring more holistic living. So there is some spirituality, but maybe people are afraid to call it spirituality. They're using the label holistic so that it doesn't bring a negative connotation. Because I think people are still afraid to talk about spirituality as if it's something bad, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. We're learning. <laughs> well, you also may be in touch with more holistic industries than I am, because I'm still seeing a lot that is basically raping the earth. And I really love what you were talking about, you know, using the metaphor of a, a garden and attending to it. And I, I like to add in the word organic, you know, involving organic processes for forming our business is very important because every business is going to be so unique that we really need to engage an organic process for developing our own business. You know, we do see some amazing things happening um, in terms of regenerative agriculture. Yeah, absolutely. Agri agriculture, farming, these are aspects of kind of the new earth that we're building, but it's not a new earth. It's just returning to earth. Art has always been there. We've just been blinded by all these buildings with the shiny windows and the shiny cars and all these reflections. And even this, we've created these roads to connect us so we can drive the cars. And it's amazing. It's allowed us to be more efficient. But there is a separation. Our feet do not touch the soil. They touch the cement. Because one of the biggest practices to ground your energy is to walk bare feet on nature. And we have separated ourselves from nature you know, layers of, of layers of layers, cement and socks and shoes and buildings. I live on a very high-rise building and we, we work in these high-rise buildings and movies have tried to portray them as the new elite way of living. But is it? Or is it just an illusion of glamorizing that separation? Mm, agreed. How did you connect spirituality with business what was the turning point um in your life and i think i've used the word here the, the phrase taking leadership to the next level as a way to describe raising the consciousness of the leader hmm. as, a, as a symbolic representation of what it means to lead from that place of i want to bring more unity into the world i want to bring more joy into the world i want to bring more success that is not based on money but success that is based on satisfaction with my contribution to making the world a better place? As I said before, I've been a very spiritual person since I was a young child. When I started getting into entrepreneurship, owning my own business, which would have been in 2008, so it was a long time ago, I invested in, you know, in various 
business training courses. And then I started investing in pretty extensive coaching. And I found that the one thing that was really troubling for me was that I was doing things to do what they said to do, but they were not in alignment with my spiritual values. And so, of course, things did not go well. Things did, I was not having business success. I think the real turning point happened in 2016 when I first met Ayman Sawaf. Um, he was a guest speaker in a course on money. It was called The Currency of Money. It was a play on words, The Currency of Money. And he was a guest speaker and I really loved his spirit. And so I reached out to him afterwards. We connected really well. And for anybody who hasn't heard of Ayman Sawaf, he was one of the pioneers of emotional intelligence. So he is, you know, he is a very important person within our age in terms of the shifts of consciousness that humanity is going through. He introduced me to the notion of sacred commerce. And so he and his wife, Rowan, Gabrielle, they have brought forward um, ancient teachings from ancient Egypt on sacred commerce. So apparently, from what I've learned, in ancient Egypt, there was something called the merchant priesthood, where there would be merchant priests who would go out and engage um, the public, and there would be merchant priestesses who would be like back in the temple. And they would be doing, the priestesses would be doing practices to help bring energetic sense of ease around all of the work that the priests were doing in the world so that as the priests, you know, would meet somebody on the road and talk with them and find out where they are at, look at how they might be able to, you know, barter maybe some healing herbs for something that the person on the road had to be able to get out to the public things that would uplift them out of a place of survival into a place where they could pursue their spirituality specifically. Mm -hmm. This very much has to do with the work that you're doing, Stella. So I really loved this model of the merchant priesthood. And so in 2016, I started um, looking at how to practice that. I did find that it was a bit difficult to be doing both the merchant priest work and the merchant priestess work. So the Christmas before last, I was doing a retreat and put out this wish, this intention of gaining merchant priestess support so that I could focus on the merchant priest work. And in, in March of that year, I met my partner and, and business partner now, Eden Curvin, who's a long time, many lifetimes priestess. And I put together a PowerPoint presentation, which I presented to her. I said, you know, I'd like to invite you to join my team. And, you know, it was, uh, was kind of like a funny way, but at the same time, um, it was a meaningful way where I was able to communicate what the merchant priesthood was about and what I would really love for her to do and what I felt that such a collaboration could bring to her. And so she agreed to join the team as a merchant priestess. And so since March of last year, I've gotten to work with Eden and I really focus on the, the merchant priest work. It is very much a spiritual practice for both of us. Every morning, you know, we do our meditation and then Eden, she sets up a portal for the work that I'm doing uh, with Archangels. And I'm not sure who else she includes, but I do know that it is definitely with Archangels. She has set up a crystal grid for our business so that the, our business activities are held, supported, informed, energized by this crystal grid. And so doing things like this have really made 
the work that I do on a day-by-day basis, a spiritual practice. And the reason I'm kind of saying the I is because Eden, she does have a corporate job. So she works full-time as a project manager. So she's able to do this prayer work, very deep prayer work for my work on a daily basis of reaching out, meeting with people in the public. So that's what um, the, the spirituality part of the business part. And I have gone through various iterations of the kind of coaching I've been drawn to. Probably about 10 years ago, I decided to move into being a heroic leadership coach. And the reason being, I thought, you know, if I can reach the leaders and be able to help them turn their heart into a good place, then they're going to impact all the people that they're leading. So I kind of wanted to go to the person who would have a lot of impact. And I am just a natural leader. I have that energy in me, probably my astrology. And so I did find that I love business too. So that's what really drew me to wanting to work with entrepreneurs, people starting businesses. So I have, that's what has really transitioned things into my really working with people who are wanting to start a spiritual business. So again, a business that has a spiritual founding, the business can be anything, but it's just they're wanting to operate their business from a spiritual place so that basically it is their spiritual practice. I love working with those people. I think the other element that really came into my really finding this as my niche is that I first trained myself as a therapist specializing in healing trauma. And so I learned a lot about healing trauma and developmental stages. And I find that whenever we do something that is out of the box Mm -hmm. and takes a lot of courage, it can be very triggering. And so working with people who are just, you know, thinking of starting a spiritual business or have already started one, but it hasn't really gotten going. They haven't got a lot of clients. I like working with that initial place because there are so many fears that come come up. And with my therapy training, I'm able to really bring some ease to them being able to step more comfortably through those triggers that come up and be able to really shine brightly and really bring who they are. That's so important to me after my experiences with the former trainings and the former coaches where I was trying to be something that they said would make me a success, it has made me very much value supporting people being able to take their own hero's journey. One person's hero's journey would be only they can walk it. I just really like powerfully facilitating it. It's quite interesting with the hero's journey is that it can be, as you said, so many different things because we each have our unique learning path, unique challenges in life, unique limiting beliefs that we need to uproot. And it's really doing that trauma healing because as part of our own boarding on earth, we've experienced childhood trauma in different degrees, but that's just the way that the system is designed to create childhood trauma, to block our ability to dream as we're growing up, essentially. And the system, the structures that are in place in in the current system They're designed in a way that they don't uplift you enough for you to dream these solutions while you're going through school or university so that you can create your own business structure, but rather you can be plugged into the existing systems where people can um, squeeze the talent, the energy out of you to manifest their reality while you're stuck kind of wondering, is is this all there is? And I think your role is to tap people on the shoulder and be like, no, there's more, but it's here. You have to unlock it and I can help you. That's the power, I think, when you have a spiritually aligned coach, whether it's a spiritual business, whether it has to do with the personal authenticity, it's it's adding that next level of showing you that there's more for your consciousness if you're open to, to, to that ascension, to taking the steps forward. But it's always 
a balance. So as you mentioned, the uh, therapy and recovering the, the missing pieces that we lose as part of our um, growing up, it's almost like in order for you to ascend, you have to take that dive into the subconscious mind. And the lower you go into the subconscious mind, the higher you're going to rise. It's always it's the law of balance, I suppose, the, the, the duality and even yin and yang. I know we say that for partnerships, but it's it's the duality within us as well. And the more we expand in terms of our subconscious mind and how brave we are to face those corners that society told us, no, you should be ashamed of that. You should be guilty about that. And the more we remove those beliefs, the freer we become to kind of become whole again and create from that space of wholeness so that we can offer that to other people, which is quite beautiful. And that kind of takes me to being a spiritual business owner and what it actually means. Because once you unlock that spirituality element to running your business, it's a, a general life of great. It's so much more than just running your business from that place of spirituality. It's it's you connecting with the version of yourself that you, you didn't even realize it existed. A version of yourself that has more potential fulfilled in this lifetime, which is quite empowering to know that you can accomplish so much more just by being yourself, doing the work every single day. But when you kind of guide people towards what it means to be a spiritual business owner, where do you start? Is it the abundance mindset? Is it the channeling? Is it connecting with spirit guides? What's the one aspect that you would start with? And what's the one aspect that kind of puzzles people the most? I really think that the place to start is to recognize that you are entering into your personal hero's journey. So that means there is no formula out there. There's no recipe. There's no place that is just like, you know, you are safe. It's like going out on a voyage. There have been put forward, you know, the, the phases of a hero's journey. I think there's like 12 phases. One of them is acquiring a mentor. That can be an important aspect of taking your hero's journey and also finding the true allies for your journey. And, you know, at the, the bottom of the journey is where you're going deep. You're like facing death. You are going deep and really learning about who you are and what it is that you have to give through your business. And then there's a whole journey of bringing that information back up. I love how you were, you know, drawing the circles in the air because that is very much the, you know, the drawing of the hero's journey, which includes, you know, going really deep to understand who you are. So, you know, as I look at your, um, your lovely slide, um, you know, it speaks so much to the, the things that you will encounter on your hero's journey. Um, you know, you are creating your own personal new earth through encountering your hero's journey. And you have to have an abundance mindset because, you know, so many people, especially people who have been through trauma, they try to, they, they nickel and dine themselves. And they think I have to do this all by myself because of, you know, going through trauma. That's maybe something that we think that we learned. But in order to really create an abundant business, you need to be able to heal those places and enter into um, an abundance mindset where you are investing in things like coaching or mentorship or, you know, something that is going to support you in your journey. So we do need to have an abundance mindset in order to invest in the, the places where it's appropriate. And you know, for everybody's situation is going to be different. Abundance mindset may, may mean a small investment, but it is going to be much needed support for being able to take that deep dive 
I think everybody's journey is very personal. And I think the place to start is to recognize you are entering a hero's journey. And if you can look up those phases of the hero's journey, that might be a helpful little tool to be able to even engage with. It takes a village to raise children, but it also takes a village to support abundant humans. One cannot do it all on their own. And abundance, again, it depends on your personal definition, because to someone, abundance might be living by the sea because you know they spend their whole life up in the mountains so they think now i want to spend the rest of my life being next to the sea so abundance could be anything it's your definition one thing about the hero's journey is in relation to our conversation so far is that it's used to create movies it's the structure for movies it's based on the hero's journey it's sets the movie in three acts <laughs> and you have that redemption story by the end of the movie if, if it's especially a well written movie one idea that came to mind as we were talking about the circles as well is that when you look at a tree you know how you have the lines the circles for every year that the tree has lived that's us the more we advance and grow the more we expand our presence in the world but if we're just stuck in afraid we're just going to circle in the same life situation for many years and think why why is this not changing because it's up to you to take the first step and expand and go outside because the root is always going to be there your childhood is always going to be there but you're always advancing and the parallels between how nature is growing and how we're growing comes comes to life the more we look at nature the more we reconnect with nature really powerful stella and i feel like you know if if someone were to take a nugget away from this podcast, that could be it. The future hasn't been written yet. You're the one that gets to make all of these executive decisions. And if you've been someone who whose free will was taken away at an early age, being given that free will, reclaiming that free will can be quite scary. It's very empowering once you accept it and say, okay, I make all the choices now, but it can be quite scary to make that transition. And so unlocking your sole purpose doesn't mean that once you unlock it, that's it. It's been done. You still need to take the steps. But the more you understand as to who you are and your strengths and weaknesses and what you can learn in your lifetime, the easier it gets to take more steps towards that self-empowerment and to truly believe in yourself. And the way I like to start this part of the conversation is I like to look at your name. Our names, if we were to consider our experience on Earth as pre-designed and we once we're here we don't remember it we start to unlock these memories our name holds information that as part of the divine master plan carries information if we were to look and analyze it you have a marker for leadership within the first name so you're here to lead the way by paving a new path and the middle name suggests that you have already unlocked the home and the mind as themes you have already done the research your consciousness has already done the research so you're going to be here to unlock that and invite others to explore their roots, to explore their subconscious mind, because that's something that you've already maybe conquered is the word, because it's not an easy place to conquer the subconscious mind. A lot of people get lost there. And finally, there's a marker for creativity, which takes us to a life path number 10, which is the life path of achievement. So even if you wanted to hide behind the scenes, your sole purpose will always guide you to that achievement. Is that something that kind of aligns with your vision for your life path? Uh, well, I mean, all these qualities that you've said, they certainly resonate. With your profile, this, your sun sign is Leo in the eighth house. So you lead with the passion, you lead with the purpose, you lead with the confidence. And because it's the eighth house, your presence is that of transformation, that of change and growth and renewal, because this sun sign is kind of the person that you need to embody to achieve what you're here to do as part of the 
advancing your consciousness, doing that research to advance the database of your consciousness. The moon sign is your existing identity, which is Gemini in the fourth house. So you're somebody that holds a lot of information around psychology, around the subconscious mind. That is just something that you probably have been attracted to growing up naturally. Like your higher self was always guiding you with the south node as the existing knowledge paired with that moon sign. It's Scorpio in the 10th house. So you understand what it's like to succeed the achievement side of life, achieving these big milestones, especially when it comes to creating these big shifts on an emotional level, that's something that your consciousness is very familiar with. You're here to manifest the products, the services that help people begin their hero's journey, as you mentioned, or give them the resources to do that journey with more ease. Because once again, it's not a very easy journey. You can get lost quite easily in the subconscious mind if you don't have the right assistance. You're here to be a transformational leader, teach and guide people towards purpose-driven success. And then you're here to help people unlock their passion and use it to pave their own path in life. If we want to manifest things, we must align with that frequency of success. So you're able to help people reach that point of their consciousness where they feel the success. They feel worthy of the success. I suppose that's a better way to to phrase it. Any surprises? (laughs) No. I feel like... um... This is an amazing gift to me. Like you've just, you've nailed it all to a T. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you have found that confirmation from the universe. I'm just the messenger. (laughs) Thank you, Stella. This is um, the point where I have to say, one is not born to their purpose, one steps into their purpose. And you have a very natural gift to be an adventure within the subconscious mind, not get lost in it and guide other people. And I think this is a very powerful skill to possess in today's world where people are going through burnout, they're going through awakening that something's wrong in the world, something's wrong in their world, and it's up to them to take control over their life. And I think the key is in the subconscious mind and it's the key to aligning with their purpose And that takes us to your masterclass, Kickstart Your Soul Aligned Business. Beautiful. Tell us more about that. I am very dedicated to providing uh, resources for free for people to be able to explore what can be possible for them with their hero's journey. And so uh, the Kickstart Your Soul Aligned Business is a one-hour masterclass. It's a recording, so people can do it at their own time. And it is just in one hour, you would not believe how you will be able to move to a very different place, a place of much more openness and joy around how to kickstart your soul aligned business. So it is a program that Eden and I did together. So she is lending merchant priestess um, support for the journey. So it's not like a boring, like, you know, watching a one hour webinar. It's actually like bathing within soul healing that's supporting you engaging your inner self in a deep way, really getting to know who you are and why it's so important for you to follow your calling. It's a really powerful one hour masterclass given by both myself and my lovely partner, Eden. And um, you just, you can't go wrong with, um, with downloading it. What's your one advice to people that are just about to start their business and they're thinking about spirituality, but they're not quite sure. Why should they go that path? I really think that the most important thing is to carve out space 
to have the freedom to explore what could be possible. You know, so much of life teaches us to, you know, just sort of like cut things off before you even have a chance to explore them. But honestly, you've got nothing to lose by exploring what would both be most deeply fulfilling in your heart. Not only do you have nothing to lose, you have everything to gain. So just creating, carving out that space to really openly explore. That is my biggest tip for the day. Beautifully said. And there's an element of people being scared to be authentic. Authenticity is not present in the school curriculum, which is probably something that's going to shift as we go into a more enlightened world in the next decades, probably not years, decades. But what is authenticity to you? I said last question, but I love this conversation too much. So (laughs) (laughs) what is authenticity to you? It's being who you truly are and living every aspect of your life in alignment with your values and not somebody else's values. And I think that's the biggest reason people should start their business with the spiritual lens, because it's literally them. They are showing who they are through the work they're doing, which is a very powerful way to exist, existing from that place of, I get to give who I am and serve by being myself. You put that very well, Stella. We did it together, Andre. We did it together. Can we high five it on the screen? (laughs) Oh, fantastic. It was amazing to have you on the podcast. It was amazing to exchange all of these big ideas and talk about some of the concepts that maybe are foreign to some people, maybe are not so foreign to others. But I think it's the conversation. It's opening that space for the conversation to happen for the exchange of ideas and making spirituality more of an everyday topic of conversation. We've talked about the weather for too long. It's time to talk about spirituality. The work that you're doing is very powerful, Stella. Thank you for inviting me in today.